0: Chapter Twenty-Two of *The Mayor of Casterbridge* by Thomas Hardy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Twenty-Two. We go back for a moment to the preceding night to account for Henchard's attitude. At the hour when Elizabeth Jane was contemplating her stealthy reconnoitring excursion to the abode of the lady of her fancy he had been not a little amazed at receiving a letter by hand in lucetta's well-known characters the self-repression the resignation of her previous communication had vanished from her mood she wrote with some of the natural lightness which had marked her in their early acquaintance high place hall my dear mr henchard don't be surprised It is for your good and mine, as I hope, that I have come to live at Casterbridge. For how long, I cannot tell. That depends upon another, and he is a man, and a merchant, and a mayor, and one who has the first right to my affections. Seriously, mon ami, I am not so light-hearted as I may seem to be from this. I have come here in consequence of hearing of the death of your wife whom you used to think of as dead so many years before poor woman she seems to have been a sufferer though uncomplaining and though weak in intellect not an imbecile i am glad you acted fairly by her as soon as i knew she was no more it was brought home to me very forcibly by my conscience that i ought to endeavour to disperse the shade which my etourderie flung over my name by asking you to carry out your promise to me I hope you are of the same mind in that you will take steps to this end. As, however, I did not know how you were situated, or what had happened since our separation, I decided to come and establish myself here before communicating with you. You probably feel as I do about this. I shall be able to see you in a day or two. Till then, farewell. Yours, Lucetta. P.S. I was unable to keep my appointment to meet you for a moment or two in passing through Casterbridge the other day. My plans were altered by a family event, which it will surprise you to hear of." Henchard had already heard that High Place Hall was being prepared for a tenant. He said with a puzzled air to the first person he encountered, "'Who is coming to live at the hall?' "'A lady of the name of Templeman, I believe, sir,' said his informant henchard thought it over lucetta is related to her i suppose he said to himself yes i must put her in her proper position undoubtedly it was by no means with the oppression that would once have accompanied the thought that he regarded the moral necessity now it was indeed with interest if not warmth his bitter disappointment at finding elizabeth jane to be none of his and himself a childless man had left an emotional void in Henchard that he unconsciously craved to fill. In this frame of mind, though without strong feeling, he had strolled up the alley and into High Place Hall by the postern at which Elizabeth had so nearly encountered him. He had gone on thence into the court and inquired of a man whom he saw unpacking china from a crate if Miss Le Suer was living there miss le had been the name under which he had known lucetta or lucette as she had called herself at that time the man replied in the negative that miss templeman only had come henchard went away concluding that lucetta had not as yet settled in he was in this interested stage of the inquiry when he witnessed elizabeth jane's departure the next day on hearing her announce the address there suddenly took possession of him the strange thought that lucetta and miss templeman were one and the same person for he could recall that in her season of intimacy with him the name of the rich relative whom he had deemed somewhat a mythical personage had been given as templeman though he was not a fortune-hunter the possibility that lucetta had been sublimed into a lady by means of some munificent testament on the part of this relative lent a charm to her image which it might not otherwise have acquired. He was getting on towards the dead level of middle age, when material things increasingly possess the mind. But Henchard was not left long in suspense. Lucetta was rather addicted to scribbling, as had been shown by the torrent of letters after the fiasco in their marriage arrangements, and hardly had Elizabeth gone away when another note came to the mayor's house from High Place Hall. "'I am in residence,' she said, and comfortable, though getting here has been a wearisome undertaking. You probably know what I am going to tell you, or do you not. My good Aunt Templeman, the banker's widow, whose very existence you used to doubt, much more her affluence, has lately died, and bequeathed some of her property to me. I will not enter into details except to say that I have taken her name as a means of escape from mine and its wrongs. I am now my own mistress, and have chosen to reside in Casterbridge, to be tenant of High Place Hall, that at least you may be put to no trouble if you wish to see me. My first intention was to keep you in ignorance of the changes in my life till you should meet me in the street, but I have thought better of this. You probably are aware of my arrangement with your daughter, and have doubtless laughed at the, what shall I call it, practical joke, in all affection, of my getting her to live with me. But my first meeting with her was purely an accident. Do you see, Michael, partly why I have done it? Why, to give you an excuse for coming here, as if to visit her, and thus to form my acquaintance naturally she is a dear good girl and she thinks you have treated her with undue severity you may have done so in your haste but not deliberately i am sure as the result has been to bring her to me i am not disposed to upbraid you in haste yours always lucetta the excitement which these announcements produced in henchard's gloomy soul was to him most pleasurable he sat over his dining-table long and dreamily and by an almost mechanical transfer the sentiments which had run to waste since his estrangement from elizabeth jane and donald farfrae gathered around lucetta before they had grown dry she was plainly in a very coming-on disposition for marriage but what else could a poor woman be who had given her time and her heart to him so thoughtlessly at that former time as to lose her credit by it probably conscience no less than affection had brought her here on the whole he did not blame her the artful little woman he said smiling with reference to lucetta's adroit and pleasant manoeuvre with elizabeth jane to feel that he would like to see lucetta was with henchard to start for her house he put on his hat and went it was between eight and nine o'clock when he reached her door the answer brought him was that miss templeman was engaged for that evening but that she would be happy to see him the next day that's rather like giving herself airs he thought and considering what we but after all she plainly had not expected him and he took the refusal quietly Nevertheless, he resolved not to go next day. These cursed women, there's not an inch of straight grain in them, he said. Let us follow the train of Mr. Henchard's thought as if it were a clue-line, and view the interior of High Place Hall on this particular evening. On Elizabeth Jane's arrival she had been phlegmatically asked by an elderly woman to go upstairs and take off her things she replied with great earnestness that she would not think of giving that trouble and on the instant divested herself of her bonnet and cloak in the passage she was then conducted to the first floor on the landing and left to find her way further alone the room disclosed was prettily furnished as a boudoir or small drawing-room and on a sofa with two cylindrical pillows reclined a dark-haired large-eyed pretty woman of unmistakably French extraction on one side or the other. She was probably some years older than Elizabeth and had a sparkling light in her eye. In front of the sofa was a small table with a pack of cards scattered upon it, faces upward. The attitude had been so full of abandonment that she bounded up like a spring on hearing the door open. Perceiving that it was Elizabeth, she lapsed into ease and came across to her with a reckless skip that innate grace only prevented from being boisterous why you are late she said taking hold of elizabeth jane's hands there were so many little things to put up and you seem dead alive and tired let me try to enliven you by some wonderful tricks i have learnt to kill time sit there and don't move she gathered up the pack of cards pulled the table in front of her and began to deal them rapidly, telling Elizabeth to choose some. "'Well, have you chosen?' she asked, flinging down the last card. "'No,' stammered Elizabeth, arousing herself from a reverie. "'I forgot. I was thinking of—you and me and how strange it is that I am here.' Miss Templeman looked at Elizabeth Jane with interest and laid down the cards. "'Ah, never mind,' she said i'll lie here while you sit by me and we'll talk elizabeth drew up silently to the head of the sofa but with obvious pleasure it could be seen that though in years she was younger than her entertainer in manner and general vision she seemed more of the sage miss templeman deposited herself on the sofa in her former flexuous position and throwing her arm above her brow somewhat in the pose of a well-known conception of titian's talked up at elizabeth jane invertedly across her forehead and arm i must tell you something she said i wonder if you have suspected it i have only been mistress of a large house and fortune a little while oh only a little while murmured elizabeth jane her countenance slightly falling as a girl i lived about in garrison towns and elsewhere with my father till i was quite flighty and unsettled he was an officer in the army i should not have mentioned this had i not thought it best you should know the truth yes yes she looked thoughtfully round the room at the little square piano with brass inlayings at the window-curtains at the lamp at the fair and dark kings and queens on the card-table and finally at the inverted face of lucetta templeman whose large lustrous eyes had such an odd effect upside down elizabeth's mind ran on acquirements to an almost morbid degree you speak french and italian fluently no doubt she said i have not been able to get beyond a wretched bit of latin yet well for that matter in my native isle speaking french does not go for much it is rather the other way where is your native isle it was with rather more reluctance that miss templeman said jersey there they speak french on one side of the street and english on the other and a mixed tongue in the middle of the road but it is a long time since i was there bath is where my people really belong to though my ancestors in jersey were as good as anybody in england They were the Lassouers, an old family who have done great things in their time. I went back and lived there after my father's death, but I don't value such past matters, and am quite an English person in my feelings and tastes. Lucetta's tongue had for a moment outrun her discretion. She had arrived at Casterbridge as a bath lady, and there were obvious reasons why Jersey should drop out of her life but Elizabeth had tempted her to make free, and a deliberately formed resolve had been broken. It could not, however, have been broken in safer company. Lucetta's words went no further, and after this day she was so much upon her guard that there appeared no chance of her identification with the young Jersey woman who had been Henchard's dear comrade at a critical time. Not the least amusing of her safeguards was her resolute avoidance of a French word, if one by accident came to her tongue more readily than its English equivalent. She shirked it with the suddenness of the weak apostle at the accusation, Thy speech bewrayeth thee. Expectancy sat visibly upon Lucetta the next morning. She dressed herself for Mr. Henchard, and restlessly awaited his call before midday as he did not come she waited on through the afternoon but she did not tell elizabeth that the person expected was the girl's stepfather they sat in adjoining windows of the same room in lucetta's great stone mansion netting and looking out upon the market which formed an animated scene elizabeth could see the crown of her stepfather's hat among the rest beneath and was not aware that lucetta watched the same object with yet intenser interest he moved about amid the throng at this point lively as an ant-hill elsewhere more reposeful and broken up by stalls of fruit and vegetables the farmers as a rule preferred the open carrefour for their transactions despite its inconvenient jostlings and the danger from crossing vehicles to the gloomy sheltered market-room provided for them here they surged on this one day of the week forming a little world of leggings switches and sample bags men of extensive stomachs sloping like mountain-sides men whose heads in walking swayed as the trees in november gales who in conversing varied their attitudes much lowering themselves by spreading their knees and thrusting their hands into the pockets of remote inner jackets their faces radiated tropical warmth For though when at home their countenances varied with the seasons, their market faces all the year round were glowing little fires. All over clothes here were worn as if they were an inconvenience, a hampering necessity. Some men were well dressed, but the majority were careless in that respect, appearing in suits which were historical records of their wearers' deeds, sun-scorchings, and daily struggles for many years past yet many carried ruffled cheque-books in their pockets which regulated at the bank hard by a balance of never less than four figures in fact what these gibbous human shapes specially represented was ready money money insistently ready not ready next year like a nobleman's often not merely ready at the bank like a professional man's but ready in their large plump hands it happened that to-day there rose in the midst of them all two or three tall apple-trees standing as if they grew on the spot till it was perceived that they were held by men from the cider districts who came here to sell them bringing the clay of their county on their boots elizabeth jane who had often observed them said i wonder if the same trees come every week what trees said lucetta absorbed in watching for henchard Elizabeth replied vaguely, for an incident checked her. Behind one of the trees stood Farfray, briskly discussing a sample-bag with a farmer. Henchard had come up, accidentally encountering the young man, whose face seemed to inquire, Do we speak to each other? She saw her stepfather throw a shine into his eye, which answered, No. Elizabeth Jane sighed are you particularly interested in anybody out there said lucetta oh no said her companion a quick red shooting over her face luckily farfrae's figure was immediately covered by the apple-tree lucetta looked hard at her quite sure she said oh yes said elizabeth jane again lucetta looked out they are all farmers i suppose she said No, there's Mr. Bulge. He's a wine merchant. There's Benjamin Brownlet, a horse dealer, and Kitson, the pig breeder, and Yopper, the auctioneer. Besides maltsters and millers and so on. Farfrae stood out quite distinctly now, but she did not mention him. The Saturday afternoon slipped on thus desultorily. The market changed from the sample showing hour to the idle hour before starting homewards when tales were told. Henchard had not called on Lucetta, though he had stood so near. He must have been too busy, she thought. He would come on Sunday or Monday. The days came, but not the visitor, though Lucetta repeated her dressing with scrupulous care. She got disheartened. It may at once be declared that Lucetta no longer bore towards Henchard all that warm allegiance which had characterized her in their first acquaintance, the then unfortunate issue of things had chilled pure love considerably. But there remained a conscientious wish to bring about her union with him now that there was nothing to hinder it, to right her position, which in itself was a happiness to sigh for. With strong social reasons on her side why their marriage should take place, there had ceased to be any worldly reason on his why it should be postponed since she had succeeded to fortune tuesday was the great candlemas fair at breakfast she said to elizabeth jane quite coolly i imagine your father may call to see you to-day i suppose he stands close by in the market-place with the rest of the corn-dealers she shook her head he won't come why he has taken against me she said in a husky voice You have quarrelled more deeply than I know of. Elizabeth, wishing to shield the man she believed to be her father, from any charge of unnatural dislike, said, Yes. Then where you are is of all places the one he will avoid? Elizabeth nodded sadly. Lucetta looked blank, twitched up her lovely eyebrows and lip, and burst into hysterical sobs here was a disaster her ingenious scheme completely stultified oh my dear miss templeman what's the matter cried her companion i like your company much said lucetta as soon as she could speak yes yes and so do i yours elizabeth chimed in soothingly but but she could not finish the sentence which was naturally that if henchard had such a rooted dislike for the girl as now seemed to be the case elizabeth jane would have to be got rid of a disagreeable necessity a provisional resource suggested itself miss henchard will you go on an errand for me as soon as breakfast is over ah that's very good of you will you go and order here she enumerated several commissions at sundry shops which would occupy elizabeth's time for the next hour or two at least and have you ever seen the museum elizabeth jane had not then you should do so at once. You can finish the morning by going there. It is an old house in a back street, I forget where, but you'll find out, and there are crowds of interesting things—skeletons, teeth, old pots and pans, ancient boots and shoes, birds' eggs, all charmingly instructive. You'll be sure to stay till you get quite hungry. Elizabeth hastily put on her things and departed. I wonder why she wants to get rid of me today, she said sorrowfully as she went that her absence rather than her services or instruction was in request had been readily apparent to elizabeth jane simple as she seemed and difficult as it was to attribute a motive for the desire she had not been gone ten minutes when one of lucetta's servants was sent to henchard's with a note the contents were briefly dear michael you will be standing in view of my house to-day for two or three hours in the course of your business, so do please call and see me. I am sadly disappointed that you have not come before, for can I help anxiety about my own equivocal relation to you? Especially now my aunt's fortune has brought me more prominently before society. Your daughter's presence here may be the cause of your neglect, and I have therefore sent her away for the morning. Say you come on business i shall be quite alone lucetta when the messenger returned her mistress gave directions that if a gentleman called he was to be admitted at once and sat down to await results sentimentally she did not much care to see him his delays had wearied her but it was necessary and with a sigh she arranged herself picturesquely in the chair first this way then that next so that the light fell over her head next she flung herself on the couch in the sima recta curve which so became her and with her arm over her brow looked towards the door this she decided was the best position after all and thus she remained till a man's step was heard on the stairs whereupon lucetta forgetting her curve for nature was too strong for art as yet jumped up and ran and hid herself behind one of the window-curtains in a freak of timidity in spite of the waning of passion the situation was an agitating one she had not seen henchard since his supposed temporary parting from her in jersey she could hear the servant showing the visitor into the room shutting the door upon him and leaving as if to go and look for her mistress Lucetta flung back the curtain with a nervous greeting. The man before her was not Henchard. Chapter twenty two